This is the Scalf Podcast, and I am Mark Belden. Scalf is to be found at www.scalf.org.uk. It's a virtual project space accessible to anyone everywhere. Like a physical artist-run gallery, it's a space created and curated by artists, presenting work in different ways. It's not the documentation of an exhibition happening somewhere else. The site is a space and the visitor is you on your computer or device. Nobody foresaw the pandemic when the site was set up, but at this moment, I'm really glad that Scale functions this way, that we can keep working almost normally during this time. To give you a picture of my setup, I've always made the podcast at home, sitting at a desk. I record or gather all the audio and then edit and mix everything on my own. Everyone at Scalp keeps in touch, but mostly we figure things out by email. We share links and transfer files. My only in-person appointment is usually the artist interview. That's the only thing that's changed this time. We spoke online. The way Scalp works also seemed to reflect the situation a lot of artists found themselves in, even before the pandemic, when studio costs, gallery costs, travel and shipping costs can be prohibitive. Working digitally starts looking like a good option. I suppose there are all these ways of working, from animation to writing, that don't require a particular physical space to happen. And beyond that, I'd like to think further back to non-digital precursors. Maybe there were already things produced by people working alone and remotely. The 1970s postal art movement, or zine culture, or all the amazing music that's been made in people's bedrooms. Actually, the title of the Cleaners from Venus track we use for the podcast theme is At Home With Myself. So even though this episode was produced under lockdown in the middle of a pandemic, I do find myself feeling strangely hopeful. There's still amazing work being made, even if it's being made at home. Writing and dialogue goes on, even if everything is happening through email and calls. My guest for episode six is James Irwin, a London-based artist who works between digital media, printmaking, sculpture, sound, and moving image. He has curated the new exhibition on Scalf, a show entitled You're in a Computer Game, Max. I spoke to James via Zoom, and we discussed the process of putting the show together and what it's like to keep working in the middle of a lockdown. Some of the artists in the Scalf show have made sound works for the show, so before my conversation with James, here's a part of a piece by Daria Bloom. I was going to start by asking whether the whether making the show in the pandemic like changed anything. I, I guess just because like it's so inescapable every time you talk to someone at the moment. I think it's changed my uh, attitude to the show in terms of how lots of other galleries seem to um, well, obviously. So online space is the only place that you can show art now. And so it's, it's kind of made me appreciate scope as a, as a 
platform where interesting things are happening online as opposed to more sort of mundane just using the sort of online space as a um, an excuse to show work yeah i've been noticing that that it it seems almost the more established the gallery is the slower they are to to be able to do something with the, their online space at this time and I guess also Skelf that it was and, and probably and your work as well that people were already working on this problem of not having a physical space and it wasn't because of quarantine it was because of money or resources or yeah I think I think lots of there seem to be lots of people who are using the um, the internet as a way of questioning what the limits of that space might be, or in the same way that you would work with the limits of the physical gallery space, there, there are interesting ways I think of using the internet um, and looking at the sort of materiality of it, maybe. Because the 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 show, I guess, even from the title is sort of about I guess just to a certain degree breaking that fourth wall and making you maybe question the mechanics of what you're seeing or the is that a good way of putting it? I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm interesting in interested in um sort of fetishizing the, the act of looking at some, at something. So looking just the very sort of uh, process of, of looking or visually engaging with something being enough and that being something which in and of itself without meaning needed to be attached to that would be enough. Because the, well, I don't know if you explain it, but the title comes from, so it's You're in a Computer Game, Max, and it's from Max Payne. Yeah, it's from a computer game. Yeah, it's from a computer game. I think that was first released in two thousand and one, called Max Payne. Um, I was I, I was just introduced to because I'm not a gamer and I was um, I don't really know anything about the computer game Max Payne either. But it was just the idea that the main character in the computer game. Um, at a point in the game, finds out that he's being controlled by the player, and the sort of the realization of that being this kind of this moment of horror. And so, I suppose I'm, I was looking at how, because um, I'm interested in the point. I'm doing a PhD in the point at which, or a practice-based PhD in the point at which, code is turned into image, so, or um, text-based programming languages are turned into images and what happens at that moment? Well, I think I was going to ask about that. I mean, it's not really my, something I know a lot about, but that the idea of the, the gap between the coding of something and, and what we see as a viewer or as a computer user or well, maybe that a lot of the work in the show was finding different ways to kind of push at that or um, or kind of, you know, how do you show that maybe is, is you know, if 
if the interface starts to degrade or loop back on itself or get disrupted, then you you start noticing how it's working. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think I was interested in in the idea that the show could be like could be seen as like a group show in a gallery space. Because so that the hierarchy between the two online space or physical space becomes flattened. And because um, I think that often there is that sort of lots of artists who don't normally show online, maybe woods. I've just heard people say before that, that there's a sort of like, there could be like a sneakiness associated with showing work online. It doesn't have the same importance afforded to it that showing work in a public space can have. And so I was interested in trying to create the sort of dialogue between works that can happen in a physical group show and how, how do you translate in that into online space? And um, so therefore that's why I created this sort of 3D navigational space in which you can move around it through your mouse or the trackpad on your computer and create different combinations of images and create a soundtrack over that combination of images, which is very specific to you in a similar way to if you were a visitor to a group show in an architectural space or not physical architectural space, you, you would have a very specific subjective experience of that of that. Going into the show and 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 looking around the show, I was wondering about the maybe the the kind of timeline of how it came together because there there's some things like Daniel's piece that existed before or lots of them whenever they were made kind of or could be their own self-contained thing or they're not the but then there are there are things like Roberts and Bills that are they're in the show but they have the show in them too. There's this kind of hall of mirrors thing yeah. that yeah, okay, so uh, the process was, I invite, I, I got in touch with the eight artists um, asking them if they could contribute anything to the show. And the idea was that I was gonna, I was gonna put all these things together in this, in this 3D, in this 3D internet world space that was kind of modeled around certain aspects of computer gaming. And then, I asked the artists then if they would be up for uh, making a work in response. So that was the sort of process. So I made, the, I got the work from the, uh, from the artists, or they sent me it, put it together into the, into the main part of the show, and then four of the artists um, made work in response, and that's 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 the sort of input response part of the show. What were the specifics of computer games? That was there a specific type of game or um, era of game or? Yeah. Well, I think that's what I was trying to talk about earlier on, where um, where action is replaced by looking. So within computer games, um, there's, there's an element of liveness because just because because of how the computer is rendering things live in a similar way to what is happening in the show. 
So basically, it's about this sort of um, thing that Alex Galloway talks about, that I, that I talk about in the text of the show, called uh, The Ambient State. And it's about, it's this moment in computer games where no action is happening on the part of the player. And the game is just sort of looping in this sort of, with these subtle sort of hypnotic movements that are designed to lure you in and um, kind of create further action. And I was, I think within art, looking is kind of, because because art is so sort of contemplative and, and um, it's just a very sort of, uh, there's no, it's sort of a passive, there's a sort of passive nature to how you engage with art as a viewer. It, it doesn't require action. Um, and I suppose, yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of what, what was your question again? Was it about computer gaming? Oh, was there anything, like, I guess the specifics of the type of computer game or the... No. Okay. No, no, there isn't. An, there is nothing specific. It's just more about the idea of, okay, how can you attach? Like where do I look for theory at the point at which code becomes image? And that happens to be, that there happens to be quite a lot of writing about that relating to computer games, because that's what's happening within computer games. So that's that's kind of why, that's, that's why I use that as a model and a framework, because the theory is there and exists. Because, oh, there you go, this is somebody that I was reading talks about how code is the only language that does what it says, and so there's a directness to it. And, um, and yeah, I think that, that there's that, there's that sort of uh, relationship with your actions as a, as a user within the show. But I don't know, I just kind of like always go between the sort of, are you a user or are you a viewer when you're engaging with with works like this online? Yeah, I don't know. You're sort of both. <laughs> you're because um, um, there are moments where you can just settle in and watch a video, or you can act upon it. I guess. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it asks the question more than it does in a physical gallery space, doesn't it? Because you don't, if you're in a gallery space, you wouldn't, you wouldn't refer to the the viewer as a user. No, no. And actually, I think it came up in the, in the interview with Jessie as well, that, that she really prefers, <laughs> you know, even if it's, even if there isn't an interactive element, she prefers video work online as opposed to sometimes the, I mean, there are obviously lots of interesting things you can do in the right sort of gallery space, but sometimes it's not very sympathetic or it's like, you have three hours to spend in that space or... Um... Hmm. It feels now that you the screen or and navigating the screen with video work is... I don't know, because I, cause I always think with artist video or artist moving image, it's sort of it's built around the the whole sort of package of what 
of the of it being an art object and it's sort of being designed to be seen with that framework around it, like the gallery framework and all of that, all of it that is attached to that. So it's difficult when when it's when when the space isn't as neutral. This is what was one of my worries with the show as well, because I was interested in flattening these hierarchies both between the sort of physical space and online space, but also between the artists so that it, it becomes one whole and and so people you know and, and so the work becomes like a an amalgamation of and and a sort of digital body in space of eight artists' work. So I was worried that individual voices might not show through that. And so therefore, and, and as a result of that, sort of made sure that within this, within the second section of the, of the show, where there's an input and a response split, that, 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 those, that those pieces of work had a sort of pedestal to stand on. And would the, um, the response works have happened like very recently then? Or were they sort of looking at the half-built show and um, into it? No, uh, because the the main part of the show has been together for two or three months, maybe. So they've, because I knew that I wanted to get people to respond to it. Because I suppose it's, because I'm sort of aware of this sort of, um, this like ambient state of the code of, of code becoming image and maybe it becoming this sort of cyclical thing which doesn't really go much further than that. And so I wanted to see how how you could sort of break that loop. And so by getting people to respond to it, I thought that might be a nice way of moving it on. And I knew that I would need to give people enough time to be able to do that. So I got it ready a couple of months beforehand. Okay. I think maybe it was not to, you know, kind of go back into one person's work, but with Bill, I, I, maybe it was, I think this like halfway through in the audio, you can hear someone talking to him in the room as he's like manipulating the clay. And I was just, I think I, yeah. I think maybe watching it now, I was like, oh, is he, is he, I don't know, maybe he was working at home before, but like, is he sort of... Yeah, no, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that was during the lockdown period. So that, yeah, that was, that was, I think he made it maybe a week or so ago, two weeks ago, maybe. Okay, yeah, because it, it also seemed like it was the one that had the most, like, other work, it, you know, visible in it, I guess. And, yeah. yeah, I really liked Bill's response to it. But, yeah. He had to rush to get because he, I think he found out that his studio was going to be shutting down because of the pandemic. And so he had to rush to get to his studio to get the clay to do what he wanted to do with it um, on the day that it was closing down. So I suppose through things like this, lots of stories are told, don't they? Lots of things like that happen. This is quite a strange environment to be doing this I mean I know we're all used to this now but it to be doing this sort of thing it feels quite strange don't you think 
Yeah, I'm just, I think I was sort of assuming almost everything was on pause, you know, you know the, in terms of exhibitions or... Um, I think it's a good opportunity for a platform like Skyfest, because I don't know, I was thinking before that maybe it would be a good, like, it, it could offer the opportunity for doing things like virtual openings and things through Zoom or whatever platforms they want that you could use. It might be a, and also with the focus to this sort of net art revolution that some people are speaking about, the interesting spaces that are showing interesting work online are going to kind of have their place, aren't they? Yeah, and I, th I think there are lots of things that just all of a sudden seem flipped, but like trying to get people's online attention for a few hours. <laughs> so it's like, perhaps, yeah. perhaps there's more screen time happening. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know whether with, you could answer this for yourself or with the other artists, but do you know it's the way they're working and the way they're making work changing? I don't know how many artists are still going to their studios at the moment. I, because that's the sort of, there's lots of individual kind of, everyone has their own response to the pandemic, don't they? And I don't know how many, I, I always work on my computer. So it, has, it doesn't really affect me in terms of, I don't get the thinking space I would get being here because I've got two small kids. But um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how, um, if you're a painter, say, and make big paintings, and if you decided that you can't go to the studio, or, well, if you listen to the government advice, but then what do you do? You're a painter. Is it a um, job? My, my studio was already at home, so I... Okay, well, that's good. Um, it's all the same, except materials start to well i guess materials and then where something goes at the end that is that sort of changed um do you benefit from from having more time because everyone has more time now yeah it's it's busier than i thought being <laughs> stuck at home um yeah because there's, there's actually a lot of like financial stuff to sort out. And it's not the sort of amazing residency at home I thought it was going to be, but it is, I'm definitely having more painting time. Yeah. It's, um, cause I've spoken to lots of people who say that they don't, artists who don't sort of think that, 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 that their work doesn't seem important during a time like this because it's, I sort of find it a, like a sort of safe place to go to where I can, where I can, you know, it's like a, so it's a comfort zone. It's like, so that, yeah, it's, it's a different, but it's like, that's what I mean. Everyone has a very specific, unique response to that or to this situation. Yeah. And I, I, I do find that maybe even, even just looking at other people's work, it, it still makes more sense than like an advert from three weeks ago does or four weeks ago or whenever everything shifted. It's yeah, I saw, an, I saw a McDonald's advert on the side of that um, telephone box today and it just seemed so 
that's an area that's from another time because it was next to the or just down the road from McDonald's that was closed. It's still obviously been closed down because of uh, coronavirus. So then, yeah, things are just so that's just so unreal, isn't it? It, it? It's become more normal now, but it was for the first few weeks it was so strange. Yeah, it was just such a big sort of fissure in the way you or such a shift in the way you look at the sort of everyday or, or something. Because um, yeah. you, also, you also did the, that, you did another online piece, um, yeah. the coronavirus piece? For... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I make apps and I make um, websites uh, that sort of, a kind of like form of augmented reality, I suppose, but they're in, they don't, I don't work with so much 3D models in front of photographic spaces that the camera's recording. It's more like, I suppose it kind of extends more from video editing. And so I'll, I'll try and make the scene sort of filtered in a certain way by borrowing from like the sort of the filter that you see through. Not through things like Snapchat now, where you get like Facebook and things and Instagram, but more, more sort of like a sort of digitally augmented image and from spanning from video. If that makes if that makes sense, so try and keep it as natural as I can and try and make it things a little bit unnerving and jarring with reality. You're not quite sure, and so then through one through one of the apps that I made from my phone, I was. Boris Johnson was talking to us when he announced the coronavirus lockdown on the 23rd of March. And when he was when he was when he was announcing it, I just recorded it through the app on my phone. And I just always put things on Instagram. And then um, Anka Cortes got in touch with me and asked me to put it in, a, in the show because she was moving online, like lots of galleries are doing. And so I had this, yeah, she showed it basically. Yeah, because it's that yeah, it's that sort of initial announcement footage, but then, like, from what I remember, like Boris Johnson sort of borrows across his face and like other shapes sort of floating in front of him, and it's sort of yeah, recognizable as the footage, but also changed, and you're sort of aware of the digital surface of it, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm interested in, in it becoming. Because I sort of think that puts its stamp. It's like me putting the stamp of my eyes on it. So I'm looking at this thing, but the cameras are like like a proxy from, or the, or the phone camera with the app running the app is like a proxy for my eyes, I suppose. And so it gives this sort of element of subjectivity. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and and it was quite a like it was quite a. A short shit, like because I actually before we were about to talk, I was like, "Oh, go look at it on their website again." And it's like, "Oh no, the show's done." And it's like, "Yeah, it's on for a week." Yeah, it's hard not to get waylaid by the by the uh, by the situation, isn't it? I, I can't. Yeah, no, it's it's really difficult to start like to kind of stop from making big pronouncements about how the world has totally changed and then yeah. a month from now it, it won't have, or it will have, or it will have changed again. And it's just, um, 
yeah, it maybe goes back to code and everything. But I think like through all of this, I probably found myself thinking about systems a lot and just the system of how we, how everything happens. Cause everything just, there will be a moment where it'll be disrupted, whether it's like groceries or post or, um, yeah, I did, I did have an awful thought of like, oh, what if the internet, like, cause I've had it happen here where somebody pulled the wrong cable and like, you know, or maybe how like lots of our interfaces are kind of going through these big corporations like social media companies or, or like Apple or Google, or I don't know, it just feels like of this, at this moment that doesn't, it felt like there was maybe people were being less critical of these platforms because we're so dependent suddenly, but I don't know. Maybe that's just leading into making pronouncements that'll seem different. Yeah, I heard that Zoom is, is, this is one of those, but I heard that Zoom is currently worth more than all of the American Airlines put together. And no one is, well, most, most people haven't even heard of Zoom a month ago, have they? No, no, I, did, I, did, I, I hadn't used it before yeah, a month ago. I haven't, I haven't. Yeah, and I guess that the sort of the capacity for, oh yeah, I think I was going to say something, but it was like, you sort of think of Zoom as this very transparent thing where you're just having a conversation until, until somebody hacks in and starts drawing rude pictures on you or like, or. Yeah, and my wife was on a, on a Zoom call last week she's part of XR and they're still doing, they're doing lots of so she has lots of Extinction Rebellion she's been using Zoom for a long time but let's say last week they had some neo-Nazis that had uh, hijacked their, their Zoom call and were playing like lots of music and showing like offensive images oh wow yeah I haven't I haven't, I haven't had that yet on any sort of group conversations but it's early days I guess and I'm probably not as much a target as XR. It makes you um, it makes you very aware of, or makes me very aware of my bad internet, especially talking to somebody, like talking to you now, and it's, it becomes like, it's, it's, there's a real sort of space in between, isn't there? If I had good internet, I don't think that would be as apparent. But... Yeah, well, my, mine, isn't, mine isn't that good either. <laughs> so it's a, maybe it's a nice, yeah, a nice reminder of, of the medium you're talking through or something. Yeah, that's true. Because there's lots of videos all being shown at once, it's that bandwidth thing, I think. So I had to swap some of them for images. So Daria's work, which is the bean on the floor as an image, the sort of unhappy bean. Um, yeah. That, that was a video at first. So it's, it's kind of like, I suppose this is the sort of thing that you know, if you had to think about how heavy something was to go on the wall in a gallery space. That's kind of what I was talking about or alluding to before when I was speaking about the um, having to consider the sort of physicality of the, of the medium when you're putting these things together in the same way as you might do a show in a, in a physical space. And what are the limits of that? Where, where do they sit? Because you, everyone's Everyone's going to be looking at it through a different device. They don't think it works on mobile. Well, it doesn't work on mobile, so we sort of cut the 
avenue off there and said, go and look at it on a desktop. Um, with information, like with the text that I'm going to, in the middle of writing for it. And yeah, but yeah, and everyone's computers are going to be, or, and internet connections are going to be so specific and, dif and uh, different. So it just feels like uh, you sort of think about the sort of, the digital has been this leveling thing, but I don't, I think it, it's kind of the opposite of that, where everyone's opinion, everyone's um, experience of what they're seeing, what they're getting is, is, is totally different. Because it, it, it could just be like, um, like the frame rate could be totally off. The, what it's allowing you to see in terms of the image quality of the videos could be totally off. And some people's connections and some people's connections could be like playing each video HD. And so I don't know, these things I think are all things that I think about relating to the digital. As opposed to the analog, which analog radio, if you all had an analog radio in a room now and tuned into the same station, you'd be getting exactly the same you'd be hearing exactly the same thing, more or less, like within very fine, hardly sort of um, noticeable differences. Whereas if you're looking at a website which is asking the phone to do certain things, or, or asking the processor within the phone to do certain things, then 10 different people are gonna get a totally different experience of, of what they're looking at on their phones. After my conversation with James, we heard part of an audio work by Robert Cervera. You're in a computer game, Max, will be on the Skelf site from the 22nd of April 2020 to the 21st of July 2020 and archived thereafter. The artists in the show are Catriona Beals, Daria Bloom, Robert Cervera, Gibson Martelli, Kaken, Bill Leslie, Jonas Pequeno, and Daniel Shankin. That's all for this episode of the Skelf Podcast. I'd like to thank James Irwin for taking the time to talk me through the new show. His website is www.jamesirwin.net. 
We heard sound pieces by Daria Bloom and Robert Cervera. Theme music on this episode is courtesy of the Cleaners from Venus and the Free Music Archive. I am Mark Belden. I'd like to send a big thank you to Claire Undy and Lizzie Munn at Skelf. This production is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. Skelf is at www.skelf.org.uk and all the past exhibitions are archived there. You can email us at podcast at Listen or subscribe to the Skelf podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 7 will accompany the next exhibition in July 2020. Until then. Thank you.